We're going to turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And the Spirit of the Lord wants me to read this chapter. So I'm going to begin from verse 1 and we will see how the Lord will lead us. Hebrews chapter 12. Please, please pray this prayer after me. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit to the praise and glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. I will listen and obey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to read from verse 1 onwards. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considering him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'm going to switch to New King James Version. Being it. Yeah. I'm going to read again. Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 1 onwards. Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to read this one more time. These two verses are extremely important. We are going to read it one more time. If you want to memorize it, you can memorize it. I highly um, encourage you to memorize these um, two scriptures. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What are they? Those are the ones that are in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise be to God. You see a whole bunch of people in Hebrews chapter 11 who overcame, who did mighty things. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, you won't see a single person who did anything ordinary. They all did extraordinary things. And these were ordinary people who followed the God who was extraordinary and thereby they became extraordinary people of God. As we heard 
during worship in the prophecy part, God showed a board and the board had lots of squares and it had different numbers on the, on the board. And then you have a lots of pieces, square pieces. Those were words. Those were letters, different pieces that are there. And we need to put the right piece to match the numbers that are there. It has to go there and it has to form words. The whole board has to read something. It has to read something. It has to make sense. And all these letters are there. And only in this board, God alone knows which letter will go on that number. In order for the letters to go on the number, you need God to stand by you to pick the letter and give it to you and tell you where to put it. We need that. We have to come to a place of total surrender to God and say, Lord, I don't know anything. If you can tell me which piece and give it to me, and if you can tell me which spot it has to go, I can do that. I can do what he tells me to do. I don't know which ones and where it goes. That part, I don't know. I don't have the wisdom for that. But you know what? I can do one thing. I can get it from him and simply do what he tells me to do. He directs our ways. He directs our paths. So when he is involved in our lives, when we bring Jesus Christ into our picture, when we bring Jesus Christ into our lives and we tell him, God, you show me, God, you lead me, Lord, you hold my hand and you do what I need to do. Help me, Jesus. Jesus will be there to help you. He will be right next to you to give you what you need. So in this month of September, there's a prophecy, definite prophecy. God is speaking at this hour. The very same God who was the God of the people in Hebrews chapter 11 is our God and the very same God who led them just like how he led each and every one of them to face extraordinary things and to do extraordinary things. The very same God will be with you to face extraordinary things and to do extraordinary things. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit who is speaking at this hour. Take it very seriously. The God of the impossible, the extraordinary God calls simple, simple people like us. And he says, I have called you with a heavenly call. I've called you for a high purpose. I've called you to do extraordinary things. We can't do it ourselves. All we can do is say, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? I can do it. If you tell me, go there, I can go. If you tell me, put it down, I'll put it down. If you tell me, pick it up, I can pick it up. The rest of the things, I don't know. We have to come to the place of knowing ourselves to be zero before God. Only the people who come to a place of knowing who they are before God, except for telling yes, Lord, and doing what he tells us to do, apart from I can do nothing. When we come to the place of realization that I cannot do anything apart from God, then will God do the impossible, the unimaginable, what we can't do, God will do in our lives. So what God did in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, God is able to repeat that many, many, many times in many different ways. So what God did through Daniel, God can do through you. What God did through Abraham, God can do for you. What God did for Sarah, God can do for you. Our God is a big God. 
He's not limited by your limitations. I want to repeat this. God is not limited by your limitations. God is not limited by my limitations. God is not limited by our limitations. We serve a God who made the heavens and the earth. So he's the God of the impossible. He does impossible things. He does wonders beyond measure. So the God who did wondrous things in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 Through human beings, men and women, you'll see both men and women in Hebrews chapter 11, who did extraordinary things for God. He's the same and he's telling you today. Oh, do you see those people there? Do you see the clouds of witnesses there? I, the Lord, who helped them to accomplish great and mighty things, who caused them to put the coins, put the pieces on that board. I can do the same thing for you. Are you willing to come to a place of total surrender? You cannot come to a place of total surrender unless you come to a place of total knowing that I am a big zero. That's the first level. The first level, stage one is knowing that I cannot do anything apart from God. Not just over here, but over here. A lot of times we can say, oh God, without you, I can do nothing. But you know what? We plan and plan and plan. We say, Lord, without you, I can do nothing. But we can't wait. We always have a backup plan. We say, Lord, without you, I can do nothing. But then you get irritable. You get frustrated because things are not going your way. No, for sure. At that point, you're not saying without you, I can do nothing. You're saying that, well, I can do it, but it's not working my way. And I'm getting frustrated. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. You see the clouds of witnesses. You see so many, so many, so many, so many, so many people who fared well. So many, so many, so many people who did remarkable, extraordinary things in this world, in this life, that their names have been inscribed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 for all generations to see, for all generations to hear, for all generations to take it and follow that. God is speaking to our hearts. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? Are you going to just live today and be gone tomorrow? Or are you going to be like the people in Hebrews chapter 11? You see all these people, all these ordinary people who did extraordinary things. See, once they are in the hands of God, they are no more. So all these people in, thank you, thank you. All these people in Hebrews chapter 11, we see that these people are people who are ordinary people like us. But once they partnered with God, once they partnered with God, they were no longer ordinary people. No longer ordinary people. Once you partner with God, and once God begins to work, you're no more ordinary. You know why? Because the power of God begins to work in your life. You look at Elijah. Elijah was not an ordinary man. He was a man who had power with God. He was able to close the heavens when he spoke, and he was able to open the heavens when he spoke. He was able to go and bring fire from heaven. He was able to go into the palace and come out of the palace, even though he was an ordinary person just like us. Because he partnered with the extraordinary God, he began to do extraordinary thing and he became an extraordinary man. A man after God's heart. A man or a woman after God's heart is no longer an ordinary person. They become extraordinary because they are partnering with heaven. They become ambassadors or the king of kings, ambassadors for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God is calling you today for an extraordinary walk with God Almighty. God is calling you today for an extraordinary walk with God Almighty. As the call of God comes to you at this hour, how are you going to respond? Are you going to say, well, 
maybe, maybe not. When it happens, I will see. Or are you going to say, today is the day. Today is the day. In this month of September, on this first day of this month of September, are you going to say, Lord, I come to a place of total realization that I can do nothing apart from you. That's the first step. Only those who realize they are a big zero and go to him for his grace, for his strength, for his power, and always have that realization. You know, when God begins to fill you, if you think that, well, God is filling me, but I can do it without God now because he's filling me, you're gone. Understand that. Even as God fills you, even as God strengthens you, even as God uses you to do the impossible, that realization that apart from him, I can do nothing has to be there all the time. Without God, you can do nothing. Without God, I can do nothing. Without God, we can do nothing. Without God, we can do nothing. With God, we can do all things. We have to have that realization all the time that without God, I can do nothing. Not here, not just here, but here. We need to know. We need to know for a fact that without God, I can do nothing. That will bring us to a place of utter dependency on God. I will repeat that. When we come to a place of realization that without God, I can do nothing or we can do nothing, then it will bring us to a place of total dependency on God. Total dependency in the power of God. Total dependency upon the ability of God. Total dependency upon the word of God. If I'm not dependent on God, or if I'm partially dependent on myself and partially dependent on God, then I will not become useful in the hands of God. I want to tell you again, your ideas cannot mix with God's ideas. Your ways will not mix with God's ways. We have to come to a place of total surrender where, Lord, my ideas cannot mix with, how can it mix with the ideas of God Almighty? My thinking, how can it mix with the thoughts of God Almighty? He's God Almighty. We have to empty ourselves in the presence of God and say, Lord, I am empty. Whatever your thoughts are, put that into my mind. Lord, I'm empty. Whatever your will is, fulfill that in my life. I have no plan B and my ways are zero. We have to come to that place of realization that I cannot do anything apart from God. That means he takes the lead he does the driving, he does the flying, he does everything. I do what he tells me to do. We have to come to that place of utter realization that we are nothing apart from him, that we need him moment by moment. Not here, not only here, but here. There's a reason why the Spirit of the Lord says, not only here, here. Because many times, theoretically, and in our minds, we can say that, I know that, I know that without God, I cannot uh, I can do nothing. And uh, I know that, that I need God for everything. But you know what? In practicality, when it comes to your daily living, you don't live it that way. Our confidence has to come from relying on the power of God. Our dependency has to be 100% on the ability of God and not in our own ability. God is speaking to our hearts today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much? All your heart. What to do? Trust in him. And lean not unto your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. How much? 100%. 100% depend on God. 100% don't depend on yourself. 
These two cannot mix. These two cannot mix. So dependency on God has to be 100% void of dependent, dependency on yourself. Depending on yourself, you cannot depend on God. Depending on God alone and not depending on yourself will take you to a place of surrender, total surrender. The total surrender, place of total surrender will keep you at a state of rest. God is speaking to our hearts. It's a very deep thought. And I pray that the spirit of God will drive it straight into your spirit. Dependency on God will take you to a place of total surrender, which will take you to a place of total rest. Those who are truly, truly dependent on God, those who have truly surrendered their lives to God, will not be in a place of haste, will not be in a place of worry, will not be in a place of anxiousness, will be at a state of rest, no matter what happens. That is why the writer of Psalms, Psalm 46, through the Spirit of God writes over there, he says, no matter what happens, even if the earth trembles, even if the mountains quake, even if whatever happens, even if the seas roar, whatever may happen, even if everything under my feet falls apart, he says, I will not be shaken. You know why? Because my dependency is upon him, not upon myself. Therefore, I have surrendered my life to him. So if I've surrendered my life to him, no matter what happens, he is in charge. If he wants me to go down, he'll come and pick me up. If he wants me to go up, he'll push me up. Whatever he wants to do, God will do. When we come to that place of total surrender, we will be at a state of rest. That rest is called peace. God's people who have surrendered themselves totally to God, not only here, but here, here. When we have truly and totally surrendered our lives to God, then we will be led by the peace of God. We will be led by the peace of God. So looking at all the people in Hebrews chapter 11, I encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 11. So you'll know what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says. Looking at all these people, don't read now. Afterwards, looking at all these people in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, hey, you see all these people? You see how they did well? You see how they finished well? You see how they accomplished big things? You too can do that. But how can you do that? Lay aside every weight. That means your trust in yourself, wanting to do life your own way. Put it down. Simple as that. Put it down. Lay aside every weight. That means if it's 50 pounds, put it down. If it's 100 pounds, put it down. If it's 0.5 pounds, put it down. Whatever that weight is, even if it is like a little dust, put it down. If it's not from God, you don't want it. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. What so easily ensnares a person? What is the thing that so easily ensnares a person? Sin. Satan is just waiting to see whom he may devour. So he'll be just sitting and waiting. He'll be saying, hmm, which is the moment this person will let her guard down or his guard down? Or which is the moment that this person will think about themselves? Which is the moment that they will try to suddenly hold on to the steering wheel? You know, when you go in the car and if someone is driving, right? So this has happened, you know, to us too. It might have happened to you. When it comes to God, don't do that, God says. Whichever way he wills, he will move it. Whichever way he wills, he will move it. 
the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Whichever way he wants to move it, he will move it. Not only the king's heart, your heart and my heart too, if it is given over to God. When we give ourselves over to God and say, Lord, you take the wheels, then we should never jump and say, God, not that way, this way. You know why you will do that? Fear. When you think that you're going to get into an accident, when you think that, oh, they didn't see it and you want to help, that's fine. With God, you can trust him 100%. He's the only one who will never, never take his eyes off the road. He's the only one who will never get you into an accident. He's the only one who will never make mistakes. He's the only one who can take you safely to the other side. So if you yield yourself to God 100% and say, Lord, you take my life. I don't know anything. And I gladly give myself over to you. It's called total surrender to God. And it's a sweet aroma to God. You know why? It is full of faith. Anytime God sees faith, God is there. Because that's that's something that's very attractive to God. Anywhere God sees faith, God is there. Because God is looking for people who believe in him. Believe equals obey. Believe has to be 100% belief. 100% faith equals 100% obedience. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. God wants you to do big things. Our God is a big God. He wants you to do big things. And God says, you see all these people in Hebrews 11? You see all these testimonies? You see all these witnesses? You see all these stories written in like one sentence, two sentences, three sentences? You can just see the entire life in there. Because there are so many, many more are not in there. In Hebrews 11, in God's record, he has like thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. But in Hebrews 11, what we need to know is enough. In the rest of the Bible, we have a lot more. But where you see, God says, see, this is how these people actually got it done. What did they do? These people, they put away every weight. That means anything that will come to weigh them down to keep them from following God, they just push it away. They push it away, push it away. And they lay aside. What did they do? They they pushed aside every weight. They pushed aside every sin. You need to be worry-free. Worry is sin. But it it also talks about other types of sin. You need to be someone who is fully trusting God and you need to be someone who is void of sin. It's possible. God says here, put away every weight and the sin that so easily entangles or ensnares us. God says if you let it hold on to you, then you will not be able to run. If you want to run, and if you want to run with endurance, these two things should not be there. What is it? The weight. The weight of this world and the sins of this world. You know, the cares of the world and the pleasures of sin. Cares of the world and pleasures of sin should not be there. Whatever weight that the enemy will try to put on you, that weight should not be there. And whatever sin that Satan will bring to you, that should not be there. And this is how those who were in Hebrews chapter 11 were able to successfully run and do the impossible for God, accomplish great things for God, and get their names in the list where God had recorded in Hebrews 11. So, now, God says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What did he do? Jesus Christ is doing something. He starts something. 
and he completes something. In every single person, he is the one who initiates the faith in people. He is the one who actually gives every single person that which they need in order to get saved. So in order for you and I to go to heaven, in order for you and I to do great and mighty things, there has to be faith. And this faith is given by God. As much as salvation is a gift from God, faith is also a gift from God. Because without faith, you can't get saved. So God is giving you faith so that you can obey God. You can repent for your sins. God is giving you faith so that you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in the gospel of God. And then you surrender yourself to Jesus Christ. So when faith is given, which is a gift from God, faith is a gift from God. When you receive that gift from God, Christ does something. That means he sets that starting point. So something has been set in your life. You have been put into a race. You've entered that race where God says, ready, set. Jesus Christ does that. He gives you that push, the first push for you to run. Now, in order to continue to run, you need to have endurance. And that endurance comes from your constant connection with Jesus Christ. So he's the author and he is the perfecter or the finisher of a faith. So your faith begins, you begin with the faith that God has given and that faith has to be tried and that faith will be purified and the faith will go to one, go from one level to the other level, to the other level, to the other level, to the other level until the faith gets perfected. So how does this happen? When God begins his work in you, he allows trials to come our way so that our faith can be perfected. That means if your faith is here, that means if you're, if you're lifting 200 pounds, then God will give you a weight that is beyond 200 pounds to push you towards 300 pounds, to push you towards 400 pounds, to push you towards 500 pounds, whatever, you know, the, the, the weight is. God will push you in order for you to push. In order for you to be pushed up, God will allow trials to come your way so that your endurance can be built up. If you look at James chapter 1, you will see it. Let's just go there for a minute and then we'll come back here to Hebrews chapter 12. Just let's go there. I'm just going to go there for a minute. Let's go to James chapter 1. Hallelujah. Praise God. James chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verse 2 onwards. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is happening here? The faith that God puts in us, the beginning faith that God gives to every single person who is born into the family of God, that faith goes through a process now. That faith is going to go through a process every single day. There is a growing that faith has to grow. Faith can grow. Always understand. Faith can grow. Holiness can grow. You can grow in faith. You can grow in holiness. And your faith can grow. It should grow. It should never be the same way as when you got saved. You know, some people say, oh, when I was saved, you know how much faith I had in God. And now I don't have that faith. I wish I had that faith. Oh, you need to have more faith than the time when you first came to God. 
Because the initial joy is a good thing, but every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Now you get to know him even more. Your love for him has to increase even more. Your joy for him has to increase even more. You can't be pointing out to the day when I first got saved. Oh, when I got in the second like person who says, oh, you know, my dating days, how, you know, I was all oh, when I first got married, how it was. And now that means your marriage is not good. But if your marriage is good, if your life is good with God, then it's going to be sweeter than the day before. It's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. It's only going to get better and better and better. So your faith in Christ cannot be something that you refer to like, oh, 40 years ago I had this faith, unless you backslid. Your faith should be on a constant going up on your graph. It has to keep going up and up and up and up and up and up. There has to be growth. So that's what Christian walk is, Christian growth is, that we go from faith to faith, glory to glory. It's not a downward spiral and it's not a place where we say, I, you know, I was like that before and man, every new believer has this new high and as you grow, you know, older in your Christian life, oh, it's never like before. No, no. The truth is, if you're walking with God, you're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Look at Abraham's journey. When Abraham began, he knew the God who called him out of the land of the Chaldeans to Canaan. That's all he knew. But from there, he became the friend of God. What a growth in his spiritual walk. What a growth in his faith. What a growth in his journey. He became the father of faith. So it's never like we say, oh, you know, beginning stages of Christian life is the honeymoon days. And and now as you grow, it's never going to be there. You're going to get tired and all beat up. That is wrong theology. And that's not what my Bible says. That's not what my God says. It actually gets better and better and better and better and better and better and better. So this faith that is given by God, who is the initiator or the starter of this faith, he comes and gives you this faith the initial faith you take that initial faith and as you walk with God what does God do he sends trials your way so it's a good thing because those trials are meant to develop your endurance because without that endurance you cannot run your muscles need to develop your leg muscles need to develop your hand muscles need to develop your body must develop, you know, to endure that running race. Wherever you have to finish, you need to have the stamina to go all the way to the end to the finish line. You can't just run like a few feet and go, oh, my Lord, my leg hurts and mommy, you know, come help me. No. We need to have that endurance. And how will that endurance come? The endurance will come through trials. God teaches us greater things, greater things through the trials, greater principles, greater, greater secrets through trials. We learn a lot more as we go and we get stronger. You know, oh, I know this because God has strengthened me there. See, if you're able to lift 400 pounds, when you look at 200 pounds, you're not going to say, oh, my Lord, I can't believe I have to lift 200. No, that's going to be a light thing. We need to keep moving forward. How are we going to help others? How are we going to help others? Unless we learn to lift more weights. Unless we grow. We won't be of use to God. Even as a child, as a child grows and the child gets stronger, the child is able to help the parents carry more bags and carry more things and, you know, carry a table or carry whatever it is. As a child gets even more stronger, child can carry heavier stuff even what the parents can carry the child can carry sometimes the point is the child becomes a useful 
useful member of the family. You want to become a useful member of God's family? Then you must put yourself to godly exercise. That means when God sends something to develop that endurance in you, don't whine. At that time, don't cry. Don't have a sour attitude because it is not going to do you any good. If you kick and scream when God is trying to strengthen you, then you will not get stronger because it's going to take longer. God is speaking to our hearts today. Don't resist when God is actually trying to build you up. There are many people who resist when God tries to build them up. They say, oh, Lord, I thought it'd be easy and I can't believe you're giving me these things then. And I'm so discouraged, so I don't feel like reading and praying. What are you doing? You're actually getting weaker because if you don't eat, if you don't read and pray, you're not eating. You're not feeding your soul. How are you going to get stronger? Even the little strength you have will go. You'll be so quick to be attacked by the enemy, so quick to fall down, so quick to get hurt, so quick to faint. God says the faith that God has put in you, Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of faith. How does he perfect your faith? How does he build your faith? How does he build that endurance and stamina inside of you? From James chapter 1. He takes that faith that he has put in into your hands and he puts it through the test. The testing of your faith will produce patience or endurance. So God says, let that happen. Let patience have its perfect work. When that happens, what happens? You become perfect and complete. If someone says that, well, there's no one who is perfect on the face of the earth. Oh, we say a liar, 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 liar. Read the Bible. God's goal for you is to become perfect while here on earth. In heaven, everybody's in a perfected state. So it's not for heaven, it's for here. The testing of your faith produces patience. Oh, let patience have its perfect work that you may become perfect and complete, lacking nothing while you're on the face of the earth, alive and well, breathing. Yes. Yes. So the next time someone comes and says, we're all humans, we're all bound to fail, we all sin. Says, oh, no, 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 no. Don't put me in there. Don't say we all, because I don't go into that category. God's people are called to be strong before him. God's people are called not to be weaklings, but to be strong before him. Through the power that worketh in us, the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That power comes to perfect us. That power comes to cause the endurance to be built up. And so when trials come, don't cry and say, oh, poor me. And there's no one in this earth who is suffering like me. And I'm the only one. Well, we're not the only one. That's for sure. That's why God says, you look at all these people in Hebrews chapter 11. See that? God says. So you're not the only one. What we're facing is not extraordinary in the sense that nobody else has ever gone through. It is big. For our capacity, it is big. But it's not that we are the only one. We're not the only one. We have to have that in our minds. Oh, when any time Satan comes to us, oh, you're the only one. No one understands. Oh, no, no, no. God understands. And that's why he is sad. Look at all these people have gone through. They've all gone through different types. What Abraham went through is not the same as what Daniel went through. What Daniel went through is not the same as Joseph went through. But you know what? Each person had a track to run. What I'm going through is for me and I have a track to run. And what God is using to perfect my faith and what God is using to get me stronger, what God is using me to lift more weights is something God is using. 
If he knows you can lift, lift 400, he's going to give you 600. If he knows you're lifting 600, so don't say that, well, if I have to lift 600, then he's going to give me 800. So I'm going to just stick with 400. No, you want to become perfect in faith. Your faith needs to be perfected. You know, you need to be someone who will say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me more. Not just over here, but in here. A lot of times we say, Lord, I need faith. How many of you pray that? Father, give me more faith. I heard prayers like that. I wonder when I hear that. You're asking God to give you more faith. Well, you're asking God for more trials. Because only when the trials come, your faith will be purified and it will be built up. God will not magically put, here you go, poof, faith. Now, all of a sudden, you become all stout spiritually and say, hey, I'm a spiritual giant and I have spiritual muscles. No, it doesn't work that way. Even in the earthly realm, it doesn't happen that way. If you have to become strong, you have to eat right. You have to exercise. You need to do what you have to do. You have to sleep properly. All those things are there. If you want to be physically fit and strong. How much more spiritually? Bodily exercise profited a little. That means it does profit to an extent. But godliness, it profits for this world and in the world to come. There is an exercise called godly exercise. Our faith must be put to work. And so trials come our way to make us strong. Trials come our way to strengthen us. Trials come our way to build our faith, to take us to the next level. I've always seen that. Anytime we face something big, there's something much bigger that is waiting. Once we pass that, the power of God increases. The strength of God increases. Whatever God is doing, it just doubles up. It just goes up more. So you know what? My eyes are not on what I'm going through now. My eyes are on what is next. What is next? What has God in store for me? Because there are beautiful gifts that he has. When we get to the end of it, he says, here, surprise. Our father is a good father. He will never try us beyond our capacity. Nobody will, nobody in their right mind will have a person who can only lift 20 pounds and throw 100 pounds and say, here, lift. No. Our God is fair. Our God is loving. As Jesus said, Heavenly Father, He's not like the earthly parents. Even when you look at the earthly parents, they want to do good for their children, even if they're bad. They want to do what is good for their children. How much more your heavenly father, think about that. How much more, how good God is, he's comparing. And he's saying, oh, your heavenly father is not like your earthly parents. He can do a lot more. He has a big heart. He has big hands. And he has a big mind. He's all wise. When he plans your path, whatever comes your way, when you are in the perfect will of God, everything is ordered by God. Everything is ordered by God. Everything is ordered by God. So, in James chapter 1, we see, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the test of your faith produces patience. Now, I want to give you a secret here that the Spirit of the Lord wants me to. How can you be happy in the midst of trials? How can you really be happy? God is not just saying like, oh, start laughing, you know, you, you know, when you have to cry, you're not going to be ha 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 laughing when, you know, somebody is very sick or somebody is about to die, you know, 
That's that's insanity. You don't do that. Even Jesus, when he stood in front of Lazarus's grave, he cried. Jesus wept, the Bible says. When Jesus saw the mother of this young man who the boy, the man, young man who is dead, when he saw that mother, his heart was moved with compassion. Jesus didn't say, hey, 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 he's sleeping and I'm going to wake him up. Ha, 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 ha. No, he didn't do that. Jesus is a God of compassion. And we too, his followers, his people, must have that compassion. We need to know how to behave where. Which place, how to behave, the Spirit of God will lead and he'll give you the right emotions for it. You weep with those who weep. You laugh with those who laugh. That's the right thing to do. So what is God talking here? Count it all joy. That means he's saying, think about it. Know this in your mind, in your heart. Have this deep satisfaction and deep joy from within. It's not like an external, you know, loose, you know, kind of thing. But it's on the inside, that assurance, I know my Redeemer lives. I know that God is working all things together. Even though you may have tears in the outside because you're really facing pain. You're really facing, you know, torment. Or you're really seeing, you know, your loved ones suffer. You're really seeing. But with hope you fight in prayer. With hope you cry out to God. With hope knowing that, Lord, I know I have this assurance. Through your tears, you give him thanks. And how do you have that joy? How can you actually count it all joy in the midst of tremendous suffering? How can you count it all joy in the midst of whatever you may go through? How? Instead of wallowing in sorrow and self-pity and going to God and saying, Lord, why, why, why? Instead of that, how can you really get this understanding to know that this is what God is going to do. And how can you really count it all joy? Now, there's a secret. I want you to write it down, if you're taking notes, and put it to practice. Knowledge is power, as they say. And God's words puts it in another way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The word of God says, look, when you go through trials, this is going to make your faith stronger. This is going to grow you. That means you're going to become a stronger person in the Lord. That means you're going to go towards doing great things for God. That means you're going to move from the ordinary to the extraordinary. There's a growth. There's a strengthening. There's a supernatural working of the Holy Spirit that is taking place when you fix your eyes on Jesus. So when you go through trials, the number one way to be a person who will not give in to despair or will not give in to sorrow, will not give in to complaining, is to keep your eyes on Jesus because he is the author, right? He's the author of your faith. He's the one who started your faith. So you're going to keep your eyes on him for him to import his power inside of you. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. When this faith needs to be purified, when this faith needs to be expanded, when this faith needs to move from one level to the other, the Spirit of God says here, he says, there is going to be this endurance that is going to be built in this process when your faith is put to test. That means you, you'll be placed in places where it'll be hard to see what's happening. It'll look impossible, but that's where you have to show your faith. That's called the test of faith. So when that happens, God says, when you go into those circumstances, you need to be happy. How are you going to be happy? You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. What did Jesus do? This is a question. If you know this, if you settle this well in your spirit, 
If you have this in your mind and bring it to your spirit, to your heart. Every time you go through this, you will just go through it without difficulty. Every time you go through it, you will go through it with a vision in front of you. Even if it's pain, even if you have to cry, you will know that you are crying tears of victory, not of despair. So now God says here, this is the secret here. Let, let's just um, understand this. When you look at the scripture here, the working of the Holy Spirit takes place in a very, very unique way. So I'm going to just take you to... Um, this scripture here, let me just, um, let's just, praise the Lord, praise God, in case anybody heard Pastor say before that God is not going to, if you can lift 400 pounds, that you know he's going to give you 600 pounds. And then you heard us say that he's not going to take someone who can lift 20 pounds, give them 100. The proportion is different. In other words, God will give what grace he'll supply to be able to lift more or to handle more. So when we pass through the test, the trial, believing him, he will expand our capacity to face the bigger trial and to get a greater victory. Just in case somebody's wondering, praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. So the scripture that I want to take you to is the original text that we began, which was Hebrews chapter 12. So how do you, how do you get to a place where when your faith is tested, you go through it the way God wants you to go through? How do you go through it the way that God wants you to go through when you face trials you know that, okay, in your mind, you know that these trials are coming to make you into a mighty warrior for the Lord. It means God is developing your spiritual muscles. God is developing your inner man. God is developing your strength, inner strength. Without your faith being te- tested, endurance won't happen. That means every time when you go through a trial, you need to pass a test. So the question here is, how can you pass a test? You want to pass the test every single time, right? How can you really pass the test? How can you really be joyful? And how can you pass the test? Because only if you pass the test, will your endurance grow. Only when your endurance grow, is your faith going to grow even more. That's when more will be given. Only then you're going to become perfect and you won't lack anything. So if you want to reach that perfection, that maturity that God has for you, you must do one thing. So the secret is, let's just go to... Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, let me just go back to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to read uh, this very important uh, secret that is there in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So he's a starter and he's the one who finishes. But now we need to go through the middle process, right? From finishing from beginning to the end. This faith has to go from where it is to where it needs to be. That maturity, that fullness, the state of perfection while here on earth. In order for that to happen, what did Jesus do? He had a vision in front. 
What did he do? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How did Jesus go from the beginning to the end? It's all here in verse 2. How did Jesus begin and how did Jesus end? There's this path over here. What did he do? His vision was on the goal. He kept his eyes on the goal, not on the process, but on the end result. This is very important. Have this in your mind. When you go through difficulties, when you go through persecution, when you go through trials, when you go through whatever you have to go through, your eyes must be on the end result. You know, uh, I used to run. I used to be an athlete. When I stand there, I'm not going to think like, oh, you know, how hard it's going to be, how, how hard it's going to be for me to run or anything like that. My vision is, I need to get that medal. I need to get that cup. So my vision is, I already have in my mind that I'm getting it. It's not that I may, I may not know. I know that I will get it. You know, I had faith in God and God had given me the ability. And so, so not getting it was not in my mind at all. So you have this in your mind that you're going to get, but you have to run now. You have to run, you know, so, so whatever the distance is, you know, we used to have meters over there in India. So it's 500 meters race and whatever it is, you run when you run all the way towards the end. Sometimes you can feel like you're going to drop depending on how far it is, 500, 700, you know, then you have a, you know, longer uh, races also, but whatever it is, depending on where your finish line is, if it's going to be a longer one, because you have to really go fast towards the end, once you reach there, it's like you just drop, it's not fainting or anything, but that's it. It's done. And then you slowly, you know, get up, drink water or whatever. After some time you get up and then you go. Once it's done, it's done. But when you run, when you begin, you're not going to think about the process. Even while you're running, you don't think about the process. Even when you feel like it's burning on the inside or you feel like you're throwing up, you're going to throw up. You don't think about the process. Your whole goal is, I got to get that medal. You don't even have anything else on your mind to think at that point. Your goal is the medal. And you go with full speed to end well. That's exactly what Jesus did. He had this goal in front of him. And his goal was... The joy that is set before him. He knows how much joy that's going to be when he sees the salvation of souls. How much joy in front of you that God has kept when you just pass through all the trials that God has. There's this great joy. this great purpose. Great things God wants to do in and through you. And Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he knew that once this is over, look what's going to be there. Because of that, because he saw you and he saw me getting saved, because he saw you and me being used by God in a mighty way to pull others out. He said, I'm going to go through this. And what did he do? He endured the cross, despising the shame. That means 
all the things that people did, he didn't get to him and say, oh, they hurt my feelings and all oh, they did to me and poor me. There's no poor me in Jesus. When the women came and he cried, they cried for him. He said, oh, well, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves. Cry for your children. Cry for your generation, Jesus said. And when the people there, his enemies came and plucked his beard and, you know, they smote on him, they spat at him and did all those things. He despised that shame. That means for him, it's like, eh. You know why? Because he had you in his heart. He had me in his heart. And his joy was to see us go to heaven. Not only that, bring many with us to heaven. Jesus had a vision. Do you have a vision? If you have a vision, if you have a vision before you, no matter what you may go through, that is not going to affect you at all. On the contrary, you will know that this is working out for something far greater. And there's going to be inner joy. No matter what we go through externally, we're not going to complain. There's going to be inner joy. There's a strong conviction. Because of that, no matter what happens, we're going to despise the shame of it. We're going to endure to the very end. And then what happens? Just like how Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father because it was finished. God will also give us the ability. Every time we go through a trial, we'll be like, it's finished. So you go from one faith to the other. One project to the other. One work you did, now there's going to be a greater work that God will entrust into your hands. Bigger domain that God will entrust into your hands. You know, before God can give you greater things, there'll come a trial. Because a trial is going to test your faith. And then there's an expansion that comes where God will expand us to a greater measure. So, God says, you too can be like those in Hebrews chapter 11. Do you have a desire for that? Many times we can have a desire for that, but not have the character for that. But God is showing today. He wants to form that character inside of you. So that you too can be like those in Hebrews chapter 11. And this month, in the month of September, God wants to do a work. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. For the truth, dare to be a Daniel. In the face of opposition, dare to be a Daniel. Guess what? All those who threw Daniel in the lion's den, they were all eaten by the lions, not Daniel. And the God of Daniel is our God. Jesus is the author of your faith. Jesus is the perfecter of your faith. If you keep your eyes on Jesus and do exactly what Jesus did, that means you you despise the shame that the trial will bring. You endure it by passing the test of faith and build that endurance. You know what will happen? The very same God who began your faith We'll keep growing your faith. We'll keep growing your faith. Keep growing your faith. Keep growing your faith. We'll keep growing your faith. And as he keeps growing your faith, what will happen? You will become perfect and you will lack nothing. If you want to come to a state of perfection, to a state of not lacking anything which is possible in this world, and God wants you to get to that, whatever problem may come your way, whatever trials may come your way, know that it has to first get 
God's permission before it can get to you. Once he says, okay, you can go. The one who began your faith is right there with you. He never leaves you alone. He never says, well, let me see how well you fight and, and then I will grade you on that and based on, no, no, no. He's right next to you. All you need to do is keep your eyes on him and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I keep my eyes on you. Thank you, Lord. At the end of this trial, you're going to do something glorious. This is the secret I was talking about. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You despise the shame of it. Your eyes should not be on you. Your eyes should be on Jesus Christ. And what do you do? You praise him. You praise him. As you keep your eyes on him, you draw the strength of God and you praise him because your eyes are on the joy that is set before you. That's how you actually count it all joy. When you begin to praise God, there's a peace that will just flood your heart and mind through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when the peace comes, this is inward joy. All of a sudden, you know, God is going to do something in the midst of all of this. I have this assurance that God spoke to me, this overwhelming peace that will just take over you. Jesus Christ for the joy that was set before him. He endured the pain. He had that strength to endure. We too can have that same strength to endure if we keep our eyes on God every time our faith is tested. We pass the test by keeping our eyes on the goal. God has a purpose and God is going to develop me and God is going to give greater things into my hands. If I pass the test and keep your eyes on that and keep praising God, say, thank you, Lord. After this trial, you have something significant for me. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. People who praise him and worship him will have that joy. So how can you count it all joy when you go through diverse trials? How can you count it all joy when you go through diverse trials and testings? How? By keeping your eyes on Jesus, knowing that he's with you. He began your faith and he's with you. He's going to grow your faith. By keeping your eyes on Jesus... And praising him, knowing that this is going to work out for something far glorious. This is only one part. The first part I said, don't forget about it. This is the second part, very important part. The first part is you need to lay aside every sin, lay aside every worry. You can't worry and thank God at the same time. That's why this beautiful scripture by the Holy Spirit is recorded in the Bible. It says, When you bring your prayer request to God, bring it without worrying. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, give it to God. Then the peace of God, the path of all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. What are you supposed to do? When you go through these things, you have to do these two things. Very important. One is... Not to give in to worry. Don't carry the weight that you shouldn't carry. Number two, don't let sin come into your life. If you don't have those two things, then you will be able to praise him. Always remember Sunday's message. You have to praise him with a pure heart. You cannot praise him with unclean lips. So worry and sin shouldn't be there because worry is the absence of faith. If faith is there, worry won't be there. So if worry is there, it's the absence of faith. That means there's no faith there. 
So if your faith needs to grow, worry should not be there. So the first step, it's like two arms, very important, or two two parts, two sides of the wings to the bird. Well, you need to have faith on one side. If you have to have faith on one side, then worry should not be there. Sin should not be there. Now, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Worry, that weight should not be there. Sin, that weight should not be there. So now you're free, right? You're free to run. You don't have weights, but then you need to have endurance. You need to have strength to run. And that's where the other part comes, where you keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And you draw his strength. And while you draw his strength, you praise him with the vision that is before you, which is, there's a goal. I'm going to grow. My faith is going to grow. And thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. As you praise him, this joy will automatically bubble out of you. So how can you count it all joy? By laying aside your worries, laying aside the sins, looking to Jesus. When you look to him, what will happen? Your face will become radiant because his strength goes into you. And you have that which you need in order to pass the test of faith. By praising God. By praising God. There's no one who praises God during the trials will live a sad life. No. No one. When you praise him, you're going to have your spiritual river from your belly. It'll begin to flow. The more you praise him, it'll overflow. This is the truth. This will help you in a big way. If you implement it in your lives, may God speak to our hearts at this hour. In this month of September, God has big plans. And as we go through whatever God has for us, we need to know that there's something big that is coming. Something big that is coming. Something glorious that God has. It is just there so close. When a faith is tested, endurance is developed then you're going to run even more. You're going to be even more stronger than before. And God will be able to give you much more into your hands. This is not just for the month of September. This message should be your life message. Whatever path you may go through, whatever trial you may face, you should be someone who will thank God in the midst of everything. As God spoke to us on Sunday, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Even in the midst of trials, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. No matter what I go through, I'll bless the Lord at all times. No matter what I go through, no matter what you go through, you should be someone who worship him. Regardless of what your circumstances. Not saying that, well, no matter whatever happens, happens, I'm going to praise God. No, no, no. You have to praise him with a vision in front of you. Not like whatever happens, happens. No. That means you don't have faith. That means you fail your test of faith. You have to praise him with a vision. That means this is going to work out for something far more glorious. That's what you have to have in front of you. 
You have to despise the shame and you have to keep the vision in front of you. Oh, just like Jesus for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising its shame. Jesus had a vision. Do you have one? Do you know that God works all things together for your good and for his glory? Do you have that vision in front of you that there's something far more glorious that is coming? No matter what may happen, no matter what comes your way, are you someone who keeps your eyes on Jesus? Are you someone who go to Jesus and receive your strength from him without kicking and streaming? Without whining and complaining? Are you someone who go to Jesus instead of running to another human being right away? Pick up the phone and say, I don't know what to do. You know, a lot of people just call their friends and their family and talk, 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 talk. Their spirit affects them and their spirit affects you. And what happens? Everybody have a pity party. What is going to happen then? All of them fail in their faith. You pull that person down, they pull you down. All of you fail. Everybody gets a zero. What happens then? Are you going to the promised land? How can you be wandering in the wilderness, circling, 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 like hamster on the wheel? God has not kept us to wander in the wilderness, but he wants us to go from faith to faith, strength to strength, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, going up, 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 until we meet him face to face. So the promise that God is giving to us is, God is going to build your faith more. He's going to build your endurance more. God is going to make your inner man strong. God is going to toughen your character. God is going to grow your spiritual muscle this month. God is going to do great and mighty things. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming soon. If God's word says that the testing of your faith will produce patience or endurance. And then when this is perfected, you're going to become perfect and you won't lack anything. Say amen to that. Have your vision on that. Do you believe in that word? Do you believe what God has said in James chapter 1? Do you believe what God has said in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2? Do you believe it? Do you believe that it is for you? Do you believe that you can be like those in Hebrews chapter 11? Let me tell you this. All these heroes of faith, none of them had an easy life. None of them had a trouble-free life. If they would have had a trouble-free life, then they wouldn't be in Hebrews chapter 11. So if you want to be someone who's mightily used to God, be like those in Hebrews chapter 11. In God's list of faith, where he has heroes, mighty heroes there, then you need to be someone will not carry any burden that you should be carrying. Don't carry worries with you. Don't carry sin with you. Throw it away. Throw it away for good. Every time the enemy tries to bring it, you have to say, no, 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 no. You can't touch me. No, no, no. If anyone tries to put it on you, you should be like someone who says, I don't want to get my clothes dirty. If you feel like any, anything touched you, go take a shower and come. Go wash yourself with the word of God. Read the word, read the word, read the word until it imparts faith into you. That you don't give room to unbelief. Wash yourself with God's word. God's word will make you clean and whole. 
This faith will cause you to do the impossible. The testing of your faith will cause your faith to grow by endurance getting built up and you becoming perfect in faith. That's how Abraham became the father of faith. He was perfected in faith, not after he died, while he was here. While he was here, he got a good name from God. All these people in Hebrews chapter 11, while they were on earth, they got a good reputation. God certified them. They earned a good name from God. While you're on earth, do you want to get a good name from God? While you're on earth, do you want God to say that, oh, that's my general. I can count on him. I can count on her. Do you want to be such? Or are you always looking for an easy way out and a comfortable life and, and no problems and just prophecies full of blessings and, and, uh, be someone who is weak in faith and, and just fall flat every time the trial comes. The trials are coming to make you strong. Trials are sent by God to get your spiritual muscles developed. Trials are sent by God so that you can grow in your faith, so that your faith can really become like gold. Job said that. The Old Testament saint Job said that. He said, when I'm tried, after I'm done, after this trial is over, I shall come forth as gold. What is he talking about? He's talking about his body? No. He's talking about his faith. Because his faith was put to test. Our faith is put to test. When we come out of our trials, we shall come forth as gold. It's not about us. It's about the faith. Because when you have faith like gold, it'll move mountains. Yes. It'll stop heavens from giving rain. It'll open heavens and cause it to pour out rain. When? When your faith is like gold. Not after you die. Right here. Right here. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Oh, our God reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the people be glad. For our God reigns. The fire goes before him and burns up all his enemies. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord, our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the people be glad. For our God, he reigns. Hallelujah. The fire goes before him and burns up all his enemies. All the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord, our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the people be glad. Oh, for our God reigns. Hallelujah. 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 
Oh, I praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. Do not fear, O land. Rejoice, O land, and be glad. For the Lord will do great and mighty things in your midst. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do not fear, but rejoice, O land. O people of God. For the Lord will do great and mighty things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As seasons roll, as months turn from one to another, as seconds pass from one to another, or what you're doing in our lives, they're also changing. Hallelujah. What you have for us in the month of September, we don't know. But one thing we know, you're going to do amazing things. Our faith is going to grow exponentially. Our strength is going to get doubled and tripled. Hallelujah. Maximized. Hallelujah. The borders of our territory is going to be enlarged. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you stretch our spiritual muscles, you're giving us the opportunity to stretch our faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's joy in the horizon. Hallelujah. There's joy in the horizon. Hallelujah. But before you can experience it, will you believe it? And will you praise God for it? Will you internalize it? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to bring the joy into your spirit rather than you just feeling it externally? In the natural realm. Let it come from within. Hallelujah. Let it come from within. Hallelujah. God has given you every reason to worship him. God has given you every reason. Oh, to worship him. To praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As he overcame, I will overcome. Through Jesus, I will overcome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you've done this night. And thank you for what you're going to do in the days to come. We yield the members of our bodies to you, Father, once more. To righteousness and to a righteous king. All that thy name be glorified in and through our lives. Thank you, Father. Whatever you want to do in this month of September, have your way, Lord. Thoroughly do it, Father. Thoroughly do it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Continue to speak to us, Lord, throughout this night and into tomorrow. Oh, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We commit ourselves into your hands. We come at our church into your hands. We come at every believer, Lord, 
who belongs to this church, into the nail pierced hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that you'll touch them at this hour. Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. Cause your people to see the glory of our trials. I'll cause your people to see the glory of the joy that is set before them so that they can endure the trials. Have your people, Lord, see your word for what it is so that they can rejoice in tribulation. Hallelujah. Because they truly believe in what you've spoken. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in this month of September that you'll close every door that is not of you. Hallelujah. And I pray that you'll open every door that is from you. And I ask you, Lord, in this month of September, that every connection that is not of you be severed once and for all in Jesus' name. And I pray that you will bring new people into our lives. People who have integrity. People who have honesty. People who truly desire the deeper things of God. People who truly be the wheat and not the chaff. So I pray that you'll do a mighty work, O Lord, in this month of September. Thank you, Father. Fill this boat to the overflowing, Jesus. We will launch out into the deep. O Lord, we will launch out into the deep, Father. With our boats and with our nets, we will launch out. You alone can give us the fish. We can bring our boats and we can bring our nets, but you alone can give us the fish. So we come to you, Savior, for what you alone can do. I pray in this month of September, may your people see many miracles, O Lord. May people grow in faith, Father, that throughout this month of September, let no one complain, let no one in this church complain. I pray, Father, that their faith may grow all the more. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you magnify Jesus Christ all in our lives and through every single person here, Father, in this month of September. As a servant standing in the presence of God before the throne of God. According to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God, I bless your people. With all your blessed things pertaining to life and godliness in Jesus. That they may become everything that you have called them to be, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That in this month of September, Lord, that their faith may be strengthened. That they may grow stronger in the ways of the living God. Oh, Holy Spirit. That their lives, oh Lord may shine like the stars in the sky. All by each and every single person living an obedient life, enduring, persevering, keeping their eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of the faith. For this I ask in Jesus' name, and I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen.